Well, hey there, welcome to the Dance Business Daily, and boy, do we have an awesome episode for you today. My name is Bryce Conlon, and I have already had my conversation with Josh Weil, who is our guest today, but I'm recording this introduction after the fact, because this morning I did something to my camera, and the quality is just not quite what it usually is. So I apologize in advance. I wanted to give you some fair warning. But the content of today's episode is absolute fire. It is amazing to hear Josh's story. He was a professional dancer. He bought a studio, and things were not all as it seems. It is an absolutely spectacular story. And more than that, he's able to share really, really practical insight, deep dives, and takeaways that you can apply to your studio. And by the way, I was taking notes during the session, so I know it's going to be valuable for you too. Call coming at you. Check it out. This is Dance Business Daily, a daily podcast where you can always find real talk with real studio owners, where we'll share best practices, success stories, and actionable insights so we can all get a little bit better together. I'm Bryce Conlon, and I'll be your guide. Welcome to the show, and let's get into it. Hey, welcome back to Dance Business Daily. I am here with my new friend, Josh Weil, and we are having... I mean, just in the first five minutes of our conversation this morning, already I was like, wait, what? And we're going to have a really, really interesting conversation around um, Josh's kind of history and background and possibly, if we get to it, answering the question, if you need more uh, students or if you just need to find a way to make more money in your studio. But first, Josh, thanks for being here on the show with me today. Ah, no worries. I'm, I've been looking forward to this for weeks. All right. So you are not, I have two, by the way, but you are clearly not on the same continent uh, that I am. I know that you you run a studio. Tell me a little bit about your studio, where you're located, and we will then get into the, the, the weeds of how you started and built this studio to be what it is today. Yeah, cool. Um, so my background is uh, before launching my, my own studio, I was a professional dancer myself. So I, I trained in London. I'm based in the UK, uh, trained as a ballet dancer, spent my whole career as a contemporary dancer. And then I was very lucky to have kind of achieved everything that I wanted to achieve in my career. And uh, an opportunity came up for me to take over my old dance school from when I was a kid. And uh, that was always my wife's dream to have her own studio. So yeah, we we jumped on it. So it's your wife's dream to have a studio and it happened to be the same one. So is your wife a dancer then too? Yeah, we both trained in London together. Well, fascinating. Yeah. Huh. And so so she wanted the studio. Did you ever see that as being part of your you know, your plan? No. No, <laughs> no not so. Um I I did not want to move back home. That was one thing. I I left home. I moved to London. I traveled around and worked in all sorts of different cities. I did not want to move back home. Um, and no, teaching children was not in, it, it was nowhere near where I saw myself going. Uh, it just kind of happened. Well, it's funny how life happens, as it were, particularly when you have a, uh, uh, a partner on the journey with you. You never quite know. They get to influence what happens. So so you're the reluctant then, you know, the, the reluctant prodigal, if we can, right? And you, you know, kind of yeah. came home to the studio where you were originally trained and took it over. How did that, how did that happen? Like, how did you, 
how did you get to the point where you had the opportunity to literally take it over? So this is a really long story and uh, not the most comfortable of stories for me to go back to, but I'll try and kind of keep it down as much as possible. Um, so my old studio, my old teacher, bumped into my mom in the local town and just said, oh, how's Josh doing? I saw him perform a couple of months ago. Is he staying in performing or is he looking to make any changes? And anyway, uh, my mom just said, why do you ask? And, and she came out with it and said, well, I'm moving away and I'm looking for someone to take the studio on and I, I want him to take it on. So my mom brought this to me. We hummed and hard about it. And uh, after that, we asked to just look at the books and just see what it is we would be buying into. And looking at the books, everything looked great. Reality was I would be stepping into something that would be paying me a lot more money than I was being paid as a professional dancer. And that was before we made any changes at all. It was a very old school kind of um, business. They were doing the ballet tap modern. So we knew that we could go in and transform the place. So yeah, it was, it was quite an easy decision for us until reality happened. We, we made this deal with my old teacher for it to be a six month handover because business, we had no idea what we were doing. Dance, we knew that inside out. So uh, yeah, made this deal, six months, we'll kind of creep into the business, work our way into it, figure out what we're doing and then she would move on and we would continue running it. The day I signed on the dotted line, she disappeared and I never saw her again. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, and then we found out why, which uh, is even worse. Her brother, who was a part of the running of the business, um, who I knew from when I was a child, was being investigated for paedophilia and child rape. So she had to escape. So instead of offering me this opportunity, um, she got my money, she got my signature, and then she left the country. And a couple of months later, her brother then got found guilty and got sentenced to 13 years in prison. So that's why I ended up buying. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't my fun. So let's pause on this because already we've established that you were kind of the reluctant studio owner. And then you walk in on day one and, and kind of find the skeletons in the closet, right? And now it's a, I mean, what was going through your head? I know it would be going through my head, but look, you, you're now the proud owner of a studio that's, whose, whose brother is, you know, whose founder's brother is being investigated. Like what, how do you come back from that? What, what were you thinking? My initial thought was where can I find her so I can drive up onto the pavement and hit her with my car? Um, that was my initial thought was rage, complete rage, um, giving my, my life savings over to somebody that I trusted as much as my own mother, because I spent more time with her than I did with my own parents as a child. Um, yeah, to find that out, it was just instant rage. And then after that, it was panic because we're okay. She's not told us this. So what else hasn't she told us? Oh yeah. Um, right. so, yeah by, by day two we then realized that the number of students that we were told we had, we were told we had just over 100 students. And the reality was we had just under 30 students. We were told we were bringing in X amount of money. 
I uh, <laughs> I added up what we were bringing in. It was very different to the books that we were given. Um, so I went and found her accountant and asked her to walk me through the books and she brought them out and they were different to the books we were given. So you were given cooked books to yeah, evaluate yeah. the business? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You were, all right. So listeners, Josh at the beginning of this said, I don't know. I said, I'm going to ask you about how you got into the studio business and then we're going to talk about other things. And he, and he said, I don't know if we're going to talk about other things. You have to, <laughs> it's a kind of, a, it's a loaded story. And now I understand Josh exactly what you meant. So you were really, you were given cooked books. So you had less than just under 30 students. The founders or your, your owner, the previous owner's brother was being investigated and you had and you've just signed away your life savings to someone you thought you could trust and, and this is how they're they're doing you dirty, man. Absolutely. And that's that's where it all goes wrong. Is it's it's all based on trust. But you know, there's a huge lesson there is uh, for us as studio owners. Okay, we got screwed over by somebody that I trusted with everything that I had, but that taught me a massive lesson that everything we need to do from this point on has to come from a place of trust because that's how we're going to rebuild this business. You know, we, we had to get the police involved to help us keep this out of the press because dance studio with someone working there that's involved in those types of things, you know, that's, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to continue. No parent is going to bring their child to somewhere where this has been happening. So we had to work really hard to keep that out of the press. And then we had to work really hard to make sure people knew that there were new people there, just in case those stories were going around. Mm -hmm. You know, people talk, it doesn't take long. Um, but trust became the base of what we built. And then later on in my journey through working with mentors and coaches and learning how sales works, sales work on trust. If you don't have trust, you can't make a sale. So, um, the beginning of my story was that we trusted somebody and got screwed over. My story where it is now is my entire business is based on trust. And we now understand that by having this strong base of trust, we have a really good base to be able to make a, a dance studio work. You know, I love hearing that because we've all, I, I, we talked just very briefly at the beginning. One of the things that, really drew Christian and I into the dance world in particular, because we are not dancers. Neither one of us grew up dancing. Um, the, for a while, if I'm being honest, I was a little bit embarrassed to tell people like what I was working on because they were like, but you're not a dancer and you never have been. And I, and personally, I felt a little bit like a fraud, right? <laughs> I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't even know what it's like to be you in a lot of ways. Um, but the thing that really did draw us in was we had a couple of these dance clients at studios, really, really Christian did. And as we just start talking to them, we just hear these stories again and again and again and again of studio owners being taken advantage of, whether it was like, I paid somebody to build my website and they there's some clause in the contract where they built it, but now they control it or they own the URL that is supposed to be mine or... Um, you know, marketers who just really take people for a ride or um, we've seen like balloon payments where folks come in at it's like it's it's a few hundred dollars a month for the service. And then 
you sign a 12 month contract and it balloons. And by the end of the year, you're paying like $900 a month in service, you know, yeah. and you didn't know it was coming. And we we're just like, how does this keep happening? And that the, we, we saw that again and again, and your case is, I think, very different, but that studios do run on trust, you know, like that a business in general runs on trust, but studios Absolutely. in particular, it's parents entrusting their kids to you for a few hours to treat them well, to teach them something, to give them life skills. And if you don't have that, like, what do you have? Uh, you have nothing as a studio. If there's no trust, then you can't go very far. So for okay. me, it's been super important and we were forced to look at this trust issue. And I think as, as hard as it was back then, it's almost been a blessing in disguise for us now, looking back on it in, in hindsight, but it, we had to focus on trust. And, you know, I, I speak to and I work with other studio owners and it's not necessarily something people sit back and go, okay, I'm going to think about trust now. I'm going to, how can I build trust? How can I maintain trust? How can I look at my client experience and ensure that they are getting exactly what it is that I want to be offering? And it's not a fluke. Well, we were forced to do that. Right. So we had to put systems in place. We had to build that. And from that point, I was like, hang on, this can be built. This is something that can be systemized. This is something that can be made purposeful it doesn't have to be accidental you know there's so many studio owners out there that and I don't mean this to be to be rude in any way at all but there's so many studio owners out there that are running a really expensive hobby and that kills me because like you said you want to work with studio owners because they're so passionate mm -hmm. and you know the dance industry in general is a passion industry and we are led by passion, but that passion often stands in the way of realizing we run a business. And this is where the gold has been for me is keeping that passion alive and kind of, you can't get rid of it. When you've got it, you've got it and that you can't go. So then I went back and focused on the business and focused on the systems, focused on building trust and relationships and working on ways to retain students, working on ways and how I could create more income. We, we spoke recently uh, about marketing before we started. Marketing is not my thing. I pay somebody else like yourself to do that for me. Um, my thing is, is really about working on the people we have already got in the business. And once you start concentrating on trust and you bring that passion you already have and you put it on top of building trust, you've got a business that cannot fail. All right, so let's spend a, let's spend a couple minutes on this because I, I wanna get really practical. Because first, we hear from, from studio owners who are successful in, in building and running their studios, we hear the same thing again and again and again. And it always comes back to, and you just said it, I spend my time not worrying about the marketing, you know, I spend my time specifically working on the people that I have in my business. We hear that again and again and again. You mentioned that creating systems that that turn trust on or off is a, a big focus of yours by necessity. And I want to get really practical about that because folks, you know, listeners may be hearing this. and They're like, um, 
I don't know what that means. You know, like that sounds really good, but I don't know what it means. And so can we get really, really practical? Like how do you build, maybe pick one system or one process that you've developed that you believe creates trust, that helps to actually like actively solicits trust. And let's start at the beginning and kind of go from there just to, just to solidify that. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah All right, cool. let's do that because um, this is amazing. So let's just look at the beginning. Let's look at enrollment. So somebody comes into your studio. Let's look at the normal enrollment process. Somebody contacts you through your website or through Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I want to do classes. Give me some details. Send some details over. They come to your studio. They, they try your class. You maybe offer a trial session or they just sign up straight away. They do the class. They enjoy it. They sign up great they're there and then they come back next week and what you do in the studio that's great there's the trust gets built in the studio because you spend time with them day in day out or week in week out so building that trust with the student that's a piece of cake you're gonna you're gonna do that but building trust with parents mm -hmm. that often gets forgotten about and we have to remember as studio owners that we have two clients one is the parent and one is the student mm -hmm. and we have to maintain trust in both areas. We're great at maintaining it here because we're right there with them all the time. But often parents get forgotten about in a way where unfortunately in this industry, you hear a lot of, oh, I, I don't want the parents to come into the building. I don't want to speak to the parents because parents can be problematic. But often they're problematic because they feel forgotten or they feel left out or they feel like they don't know. So they have to butt in or they have to, try and kind of they try to control the situation because you haven't made them feel at ease they don't know information so they have to come and control it themselves so for me and in enrollment this is where you have to build major trust with your parents so the first 100 days there's an awesome book called um never lose a customer again by joey coleman i think his name is um he talked all about the client experience and, and how to build it from the base up and turn them into raving fans. But for us, you, you have to make things super easy. So one thing we know about all of our clients or parents is that they are parents. You know, and I know having children yourself, doesn't matter how many children you have. As soon as you have them, you're busy. Oh, yes. If you don't work, you are busy getting a thousand bottles of juice a day, getting a thousand snacks a day, being asked questions constantly, constantly picking up after them. So one thing we know about them is they're busy. So sending them loads of forms to fill out or things that takes loads of time for them to read, that's just going to annoy them straight away because they haven't got the time to do it. So if you're not already using an online registration form, then I strongly recommend moving to an online registration form that takes no longer than a minute and a half to two minutes to fill out and submit and it gets sent straight away. So we get contacted, however we get contacted, and they inquire about classes. We give them the information, whether that's through email or on the phone or through social media. And then we ask them if they would like to sign up for a free trial in any of the sessions. And then when they say, yes, let's try this, we go into our software, we sign them up for the free trial. We take the parent's name, the student's name, email, and 
phone number, and then we sign them up into those. Instantly, an automated email will go to them to say, you're signed up for X, Y, and Z class or X, Y, and Z classes on X, Y, Z date at X, Y, Z time um, with X, Y, Z teachers. So they know instantly with that automated email, this is what we're signed up for. At the same time, they automatically get added to uh, an automated text message that will go out to them 24 hours before their class because we know they're busy, so they might forget. So then this text message goes to them the day before just to remind them they've got that class in place. And in the middle of that automated email and that text message that comes, an email gets sent to the teacher of the classes they've signed up for. So let's, I use my daughter's name. Delilah's signed up for Beginner's Ballet and Gabby, the teacher, will receive an email to say, Delilah's coming to Beginner's Ballet on this date. She knows that from that point, receiving that email, she needs to pick up her phone. I don't have a phone, but I've got a remote control here. And she needs to film a short video using Delilah's name and the class that she's doing just to introduce herself. So she'll just press record. No worry about what's behind her. We're not setting this up to something super professional. It's just a selfie video. Hey, Delilah, I'm super excited to see you next Saturday for your first beginner's ballet class. My name's Gabby. I'm going to be your teacher. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Stop. That then gets sent to the parent. So the next day after signing up, they receive this video. And instantly it's personal. Instantly they feel safe because, okay, now I know the face. I recognize the voice and I know the name of the person that's going to be teaching my child. And that automatically builds a huge amount of trust. And it also kills any anxiety for the child and for the parent. Again, you know yourself, you drop your child off with someone you don't know. And now you know my backstory, you know, <laughs> for me even more so. Mm. You, you're waiting for that trust to build. Do I trust this person? Do I not with my child, with the thing that I value most in the world? So by sending that little video, you've instantly knocked that anxiety down and, and you've built that trust. And now they're excited. They get that text message the day before and the receptionist has a list of who's coming in, new people that are coming in at what time. So that you've got a parent's name there and a child's name so that when they arrive, you don't recognize their face, you don't even know them, but you can call them by name. Because one of the most amazing sounds to hear in the world is your own name. So when you walk into the building, the receptionist is gonna be sat there, hi Delilah, hi Josh, it's so great to meet you guys. I've been super excited to, uh, to meet you today and to get you into your first class. Instantly, even more trust built because they're going, okay, I've never met this guy before and they're already calling me by my name. Um, there's the excitement there or the rest of it. So again, another little nugget of trust built just for the fact that you take the time to call them by name and to look at that timesheet and go, okay, Delilah's coming in with Josh at that time. So then they go into their class, they get taken down, they, they go and do their class, they come back, they say they love it, they wanna sign up, awesome. I've already got your email address and your phone number. So I'll send you a registration form. I know you're really busy. So look, get yourself into the car, talk about the class, fill it in in your own time. And once it's there, just hit submit. All that information will come to us. 
And then we'll send you your direct debit mandate and we'll send you all the details that you need to know about our studio and about everything else with that next email. So then the next email, they go away, fill out the form. It takes one and a half, two minutes, press submit. And then we send everything else over to them. With that, you send a uh, like a handbook with information. And I'm not talking copy and paste your website. The idea of this handbook, <laughs> again, to build more trust is to preempt the questions that always come in. Right. You know that X, Y, and Z questions always come up. So answer them for them before they are before they even know it's a question. Answer it for them. So then again, they're going to go, Jesus, these guys really know what they're doing. I was going to ask them that, and they've already sent it to me. Again, you're building even more trust in you as a person, you as a business, you as a brand, just by answering their questions before they knew it was even a question. And after that, it's a long process. Um, I see that. But what I love about it is it's so, first of all, guys, if you're listening to this, just start taking notes. <laughs> like, Go grab a pen and paper because this is the playbook on, on how you rapidly, intentionally, proactively create trust with customers and buyers. I love this. Yeah, keep keep but, going. If you want, we can we can talk about other we, things. We, we this can is go awesome. through we can go through the process. I mean, the next stage in the process is is a week later, you pick the phone up and you call them and you just say, Hey, just wanted to see how you got on with everything. Thanks for sending back your form. Then the purpose of it is, you know, one, to just see if there is anything else that they have questions on. They don't, because you've already answered all the questions for them. But the other one, the other reason for it is just to make them feel special, to make them feel like you haven't taken their money or their bank details and then forgotten about them. Because mm -hmm. the first thing that happens after any sale, doesn't matter what the sale is, it's innate in human beings, is buyer's remorse. As soon as you hand over money for something, regret, remorse kicks in. So that's where you pick the phone up. And straight away, you get personal again. You call them by name, ask how their daughter, son got in class, also calling them by name. If you remember any details, I've actually forgotten a detail within the enrollment process. But um, the idea is to get super personal. So when that child and parent comes into the studio, one of the jobs for our receptionist is to try and learn something personal about them. So Clever. they have a set of questions. So it's like, what's your favorite chocolate bar, your favorite um, TV program, your favorite color, whatever. And they learn something and then they write that in the notes so that in three or four weeks time, let's say their favorite chocolate bar is a galaxy caramel. Oh my then God. we're going to buy a galaxy way. caramel and we send it to them in the post with a little handwritten letter saying, hey, Delilah, I walked past this in the shop. And I couldn't walk past it and not buy it because you told me a few weeks ago it was your favorite chocolate bar. I hope you enjoy. It costs you nothing to do that. But email inboxes are so full. The one mailbox you know is pretty empty nowadays is the front door. So send something personal through the front door. It could be a postcard with, oh, we're so glad you joined our studio. I like the chocolate bar because you know, kids love chocolate. But, yeah, who doesn't love chocolate? Um, <laughs> Something personal. So the basis of all of this, and I'm happy to send anyone uh, the actual process written down if they want it. But the, the base of it is there are loads of different communication skills 
and you want to try and tap into as many of them as you can and time it so that at certain points you're adding these personal little touches in which is instantly going to build trust and also really great for me because you know marketing is not my strong point is word of mouth just explodes because you know you receive a chocolate bar through the post from your new dance teacher the first thing that happens nowadays you're going to take a picture and you're going to post that on social media and go oh my god just signed up to ballet classes and, and they've sent to the chocolate through the post so they start sending and putting it out on the social media they start telling parents in the playground you know, little um personal touches like that just word of mouth just builds and builds and builds and builds to the point where you don't really need to be good at marketing because they do it for you that's it's absolutely true isn't it we um i love first of all that for just your generosity and being willing to share all that you could very easily lock that down and say this is my secret process and i'm not going to tell anybody and 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 you would be validated in in doing that because you've you've clearly put a lot of thought work into this. You've clearly tested a variety of things. And I, I do appreciate that, um, that you're willing to even share that. But it, it's, it is amazing. We started sending uh, our clients because we do done for you lead gen. And we have kind of a follow up process that we don't do for our clients, but we talk them through it and take them through it. And it's, it's on them as studio owners to really build work. And by the way, we're going to improve that after hearing Josh's framework. Um, but thank you. But we, um, we're always keeping tabs on them because we want to know that they're finding success. Like if we're sending you leads and they're not turning into customers, then something's wrong. It's something's wrong in the quality of the lead that we're sending, uh, in the follow-up, in, in the studio environment itself. Like we need to know so that we can do justice. Um, cause candidly, we're not the, cheapest marketers around. We've niched into the dance space. We have a proprietary database uh, of tools and we've built some pretty impressive things behind the scene that actually I'm not really supposed to or allowed to talk about. Um, they do give us an advantage over literally anybody else who markets for a dance studio. And uh, But we always have to make sure that those leads that we send are converting. And so when we get that first email that says, I I closed my first customer, you know, my first lead turned into a recurring paying customer. We put a Starbucks gift card in the mail, right? And it's like, what's it cost? Like just a couple of bucks. It's it's like, yeah, it's like nothing. But yeah. we always get the emails. We always get the, you know, the really excited phone calls. Like, oh my God, you didn't have to do that. It's like, well, we know we didn't, but we also know that you're going to tell your friends now because you've but just that's had a exactly experience. it. That's the basis of it. The basis is to go out of your way to do the things that people don't expect. That's right. The moment you do something that they don't expect is the moment you wow them. It's the moment that they go, oh my God, dude, these guys are great. Starbucks gift card, cost you nothing. And yeah, not very much. So I got to, I got to ask because we're, we're, we're like, overtime already but we can't leave the listeners hanging and this was a little bit by design um i'm a storyteller by trade and training and so we started this story we unpacked this and we kind of left our listeners back in the day where you were like day two everything's bad you don't you're not going to make the money you don't know how this investigation is going to pan out but um would you tell them josh how are things going today 
Yeah, good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We're in the same position as almost every studio owner in the world right now. We've been hit majorly hard by the pandemic. Here in the UK, we had multiple very long um, lockdowns and our business plummeted. We built a huge amount of debt. And, and I say this because I want the people listening to, to know that I'm a real person. And yes, okay, there's there's certain things I'm doing very differently and I'm working with studio owners on their businesses as well. But don't feel bad that your business has been hit by the pandemic. It, we, we've all been majorly, majorly affected by it. But on a positive note, I our business went down to 80 students during the pandemic. And after eight months of being able to reopen our doors we've built up to I think we're at around about 225 230 students in eight months which is only 15 20 students off where we were before the pandemic but we are now making exactly the same amount of money with less students than we were before the pandemic because when I started it was almost like it was it was a new beginning for us. So it was like, okay, I, I can start from from fresh now. I know who my clients are because mm. I've purposely made it that way. And the people that we purposely draw in are the people that want to do six, seven, eight dance classes a week. We obviously have people that do one or two, but we purposely set things up because we are working towards having less students that do way more classes. Because that means that this personal touch can always stay. If I had 500 students, that personal touch is going to be really hard to maintain. So we try to have less students doing way, way more, which generates the same amount of income as twice the number of students doing half the number of classes. But you can do the fun things like sending them stuff in the post or um stalking them on Facebook and seeing the things that they love doing and, and send them a little message and say, hey, I saw you, uh, you got married last weekend. Congratulations. How was the wedding? L little things like that are just right. impossible. We've got huge numbers. Um, so yeah, things are good, but they're going to be much better moving on from here. Well, look at that. We got we got to where we said we were going to get to, which <laughs> which is actually pretty pretty impressive. I'm 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 a little bit proud of us. Um, Josh, we'd lo I'd love to have you back. I mean, straight up because I know pe people just heard that last little bit and they were like, "Wait, what?" And yes, we are gonna we are gonna wrap it up here. But I know that they heard that and they're like, "How do I do? That? How do I raise my rates? How do I?" you know, uh, alter my prices? How do I find the, cl the client, the student, the parent who wants to show up multiple times per week versus just the, the casual user? And so I would love to have you back at some point and have that conversation if you'd be down. You've been an absolutely great guest. Yeah, no, absolutely. We said before, I can talk for days. So yeah, I'd love to come back and uh, yeah, let's talk some more. Well, the irony is we kind of built this podcast as a way to meet more people and what's happening if I'm being totally honest, like cats out of the bag, right? Like that's why we, that's why we built it. Um, and we realized that there were all these pockets of knowledge that were not getting shared. And if we could find tap into those pockets of knowledge and share them more broadly, then 
it becomes valuable for everyone and, and we get to meet more people in the process, which for me is just so much fun. The problem is that every time I have a conversation with a guest, I'm like, man, that's so good. Let's do this again. And, <laughs> and so I'm just now talking to the same people again and again. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to happen, how it's going to work. But I, you really I, I can put you in touch with loads of amazing studio owners um, to kind of build up different conversations with different people. But That'd be amazing. like you said, I'd love to do this again. And I've got loads that i'd love to share and like you said earlier about oh, i i'm so grateful that you're sharing it and not keeping it to yourself the people listening to this are already a thousand steps ahead of the people that will never hear this so it's important to share it with these people because they're seeking the knowledge the people that don't really deserve it they're not even seeking it they're not even looking at it. they'll never get it so uh, it's important to share as much as you can with these people that are seeking it I absolutely love that. Well, folks, this was Josh Weil. We'll have him back, so don't worry if you're if you're like I have questions, I have questions, no problem. Reach out uh, in the Facebook group. Josh, are you a part of our Facebook community now? Maybe I will be by the end of this. All right, there you are. So, um, so it's just a great space. We are connected. It's called Sales and Marketing Advice. It's on Facebook. It's a free group for studio owners, and it's just becoming a really fun place for folks to. Um, ask questions and get them answered and make connections with other studio owners. And we do not tolerate spam. It's like, it's not going to happen. We remove it immediately. And we're because Christian and I are frankly too lazy to properly moderate a group. So if we see it once it's done, like period, that's it. Um, but he'll be, he'll be available. So if you have questions, Josh, is it cool if people reach out to you there? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Great. Uh, and otherwise, you we, we will have him back. So if you have questions that you'd like to hear answered again on the podcast, just reach out to Christian or myself. We will find a way to get uh, Josh, you offered so kindly to send us the uh, your written out process and procedure. We'll find a way to put that online so that, that folks who are hearing this can get to it. And we'll include that detail in the show notes. Otherwise, that's it for this episode of the Dance Business Daily. Um, you know where to find us. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and all the places you normally get your podcasts. We'll see you soon.